0: Namaste.
1: When we did the live stream recently, there were a lot of questions that weren't asked because we had a backlog. But Purusha has uh, printed them out for me and so I thought I would give answers and we could put that on as a, a separate addendum or, or whatever to the people who were at the live stream and, uh, and we can answer their questions without having to wait for another live stream in which we won't answer another batch of questions so without falling too far behind if everyone is willing to uh, put up with it I'd like to try to answer them okay I won't give the names of the people who asked them to protect their anonymity I can't protect my own unfortunately but uh, at least I'll protect theirs so the first one is will you ever do retreats in the United States No. (laughs) And uh, I recommend if you're in the United States that you do a retreat elsewhere like here and join a community that's preparing uh, to uh, be free of the karma that the uh, United States is earning at the moment. And I won't say any more than that, but those who have eyes to see uh, will uh, wisely take action to... uh, come to an oasis of peace and protection of god's energy field okay Uh, another question sometimes i believe i am then it seems like i was just being tricked by ego it's hard to tell what was authentic experience well that's what the ego does is to trick you that's its purpose and that's going to continue to happen until the ego has been extinguished so just take that as a given and that there is no authentic experience until there is no ego. The ego, by definition, is inauthentic because it is at war with itself and it's always going to oppose itself and be the opposite of what it was before and then that opposite will oppose itself and there's no stability or reality to the ego that is both in flight from itself and from the other, and in desire of what it doesn't have, and whatever it has that it desired is never enough, and so it keeps on desiring more and more, and, and never ends its a search for happiness that it cannot ever get, because it's, it, none of the objects that it has projected as being objects that will bring happiness really are, because it is a projection of one's own self. And so therefore, as soon as you get that object, you'll have a moment of happiness and then you'll realize, oh, that wasn't it. So until you realize that the happiness that you're looking for is your own self, you will never be able to uh, stop the search and be authentic. Okay. Next question, how can one discern if a fragment uh, slash inner child wound is released through disidentification with it and by sending it to Shiva, or if it is just bypassed. Well, don't send anything to Shiva unless Shiva has asked for it, uh, but what is Shiva except your own self? So, who are you who is sending something to Shiva? You see, that is already a false paradigm. And you are projecting yourself out onto some god term that exists in your own fantasy. But if Shiva isn't yourself, then it, you shouldn't believe in Shiva. And if it is yourself, then uh, you'd better return to yourself rather than just sending some prayer or desire uh, to that self that you don't yet know. So it is a—it is always a fantasy to think you can get rid of your ego by putting it in some imaginary packet and sending it FedEx to Shiva or Christ or Buddha or whoever you're sending it to, but it will always get returned undelivered and uh, you're going to have to deal with an email box full of messages that uh, never find their way to the one who should receive them because that's your own self. Okay. Uh, Here's one that's, I find it hard to speak sometimes, but not speaking became problematic with a full-time job, how to create a healthy balance. Can the ego and the self coexist in the phenomenal world? Well, when the ego seems to exist, then the self doesn't exist. And when the self is real and fully emergent, then there's no ego. So of course they don't coexist. And when you're in the real self, there's not even a phenomenal world. That illusion falls away. But you're able to function perfectly well, and it's not a problem. And you speak when it's important to speak, and you don't when you don't. But you're not identified with the bodily organism that may hold a full-time job or may uh, sit around uh, meditating all day. It doesn't matter. But you have to first know you're not the body, and then the body will follow the will of that supreme intelligence and do what is accurate. And, uh, and, and there won't be a problem with how to function, because you'll function infinitely better as the self than you will as the ego. But no, you can't have uh, a foot in, uh, in two boats. You, you've got to make your choice. Do you live in ego consciousness or do you transcend the ego? okay here's another one with kind of the same problem i can reach a very quiet state through meditation now focusing only on the center of my consciousness and then i reach a point where i feel now something is happening and i get all excited and craving i try to disconnect from this wish and the craving to wake up but somehow it never works and in the end i lose focus and find myself thinking again and do you have any advice for me? Okay, first of all, you don't want to focus on the center of your consciousness, but from the center of your consciousness, as the center of consciousness. Because otherwise there are still two centers. Who is it who's focusing on the center? That is a false center. There aren't two centers. So once you realize that there is only one center, but it's not any me, It's not anyone who has to do anything, it's not the one who is craving and desiring God-consciousness and some extraordinary blissful experience, but it is the witness of all of that. Then you are already at the center of consciousness and you never left it and there's no process and no lack, no craving and just the realization that the real self always was and is and shall be what you are. But as long as your mind is still craving to grasp something and gain something, you're going to lose it even if you get a glimpse of it momentarily. So it's important not just to want to reach yourself but realize that the one who wants to reach it is already the self, and let all of the reaching and the wanting drop away okay i have a very practical question how do i actually change my life to the positive and navigate the world with wise decisions what if the next intelligence step is invisible well it's going to be invisible to the ego which will even worse uh, deceive you into thinking you're making an intelligent step and then you'll discover it wasn't so smart. So the, uh, the only way is to surrender to that infinite intelligence that does not make mistakes. But the ego mind itself is not capable of doing that. And again, this, this is where we come up with the problem of the need for ego death. If you want wisdom and you want power and you want love and you want bliss, the price to pay is the ego-mind itself. Because it's that form of processing of information that causes the suffering. And and that you can't figure out a way to avoid this. It's not something figurable. And as, as long as the premise of the I who wants to be happy is the I that's identified with a body and with this thinking mind that's using dual logic, it's hopeless. So until the discovery of what you are, which is a self that existed prior to the birth or the, the existence of your body, even in a uh, uh, pre-uterine state. That self that is eternal and bodiless is what you are here and now. Only from that level will intelligent action be be possible. How can I help relieve psychosomatic symptoms of brain fog, blurred vision, and debilitating fatigue? Are there any exercises for any release? Okay, well first of all, the word symptom means effect. You have to find the cause of that effect. If you have symptoms like this, what they're saying is there's something in you that doesn't want to think, it doesn't uh, want uh, to, um, to see, has blurred vision, and it doesn't want to be able to take action, it has fatigue, right? So there's a, an egoic statement that is actually a political rejection of thought, of vision and of action. Because the ego was born in a world in which there was illegitimate authority and one could not oppose it actively, one creates a passive aggressive resistance to being able to function. And in a way it gives one a sense of power. but. The one who feels powerful is repressed in the subconscious and the one who is suffering the symptoms and doesn't know why they're there is is clueless as part of the ego's consciousness but it's part of a system of egoic uh, refusal uh, to, to act in service of illegitimate authority. So if you want to get rid of these symptoms you have to be able to serve a legitimate authority. And the only legitimate authority to serve is your own real self. And because that real self is inherently free of the inability to see and to act and to think, because it is satchitananda, it's bliss and and intelligence and being, then the symptoms will fall away as soon as the cause, which is the ego's, illusion of being trapped in a system in which it, it, uh, it feels hatred for the system itself, uh, it will not be able to free itself of those kinds of symptoms. But the symptoms are a result of, of one's own mental construct that one is not really trapped in as soon as one transcends the ego and its identification with the body. okay the next question is human spirituality has not evolved in the last thousands of years since the days of buddha the upanishads etc how is it possible it means that the origins are the final point of truth well in fact not only have we not evolved but we've devolved we've fallen much further there's very few buddhas in the world today and very few upanishads that are being written and and, uh, very little accurate spirituality anymore. But what we don't realize is that the Buddha and and the uh, Vedic sages were already at a very fallen state. They were uh, at the beginning of Kali Yuga, but Kali Yuga is the last of four ages in in which uh, there were many higher civilizations that we are completely amnesiac about. We don't remember them. We don't even remember uh, the truth about ancient Egypt or Hyperborea or the ones that actually have historical threads that we could connect to. But uh, but the history that we are taught does not allow you to understand the real roots uh, of the human condition from a much higher and divine state of cosmic consciousness that we, we have fallen from. We are now returning to that state. And so we are indeed at the lowest state of spiritual consciousness, but we are going to be able to rise in an immediate way, even though the fall took thousands of years, but we are going to be able to do it almost instantaneously to return to that highest condition, because now we have to. And and now miracles will ensue, because that consciousness that's responsible for the universe isn't going to allow it uh, to be wrecked without a restoration. So have no fear, but connect. Okay, here's one. Can you talk about the practice of listening to the body before going on courses of action? The body seems to give yes or no answers if asked. And how does this contribute to spiritual evolution? Well, yeah, you know, this is very popular among uh, chiropractors and such. They'll do arm testing or they'll give you a pendulum and, uh, and, and you, can, uh, you can project into the body this intelligence. But it's not the body; it's consciousness itself. But it's consciousness that is a mixture of both the superconscious and the subconscious. So you know the pendulum can lie to you if it, if the subconscious uh, is contaminating it, and so can the uh, the kinesthetic uh, approaches to uh, uh, the resistance of uh, of muscles to uh, to particular ideas. And, and uh, you want more than a yes or no answer in many cases. You want nuances that uh, can't uh, be uh, transmitted uh, by, by a mere uh, yes or no. So if you want real wisdom, you have to connect to that uh, that's being projected into the body and find its source in the real self that knows everything and, uh, and doesn't need uh, to listen except to itself and, and uh, its uh, access to that wisdom is spontaneous and immediate so uh, why go through the middle man of the body when you can get it directly through the uh, the self instantly but that's what you have to learn how to listen to with the third ear okay another one nothing to do and no one to do it well in a way, that's true, but in a way, it isn't true because what there is to do is to suppress the idea that there is someone doing something, which is the ego mind. But in that will be the realization of the real power uh, who is non dual and therefore uh, doesn't have to do anything because it's pure being. But it, it does take the effort of disidentification from the ego-mind that is always trying to do something. And that's the paradox. That this that identification from being anyone uh, brings the, the real self into full revelation. Can we say that the real exists or not? No. The real would never condescend to existing. Uh, the real is the cause for everything else existing. But existence, by definition, is only for that which is unreal. Okay? The real doesn't bother to, to, to appear because anything that appears must disappear. Existence is about appearance, but the real is the unmanifest. But once you realize that you are the unmanifest real, you can bring anything into existence you want, and you can make what you don't want not exist but you can only do that in accordance with the laws of accurate dharma that you will now be master of. And and once you do that then the world is uh, beautiful and will respond to you with perfection. Is it important to analyze your ego so you can be able to transcend it? This is a more difficult question to answer. Technically the answer is no, uh, but there are some egos that are so convinced of their inability to transcend uh, that dualistic form of cognition that you have to help them analyze the falseness of that belief and reinterpret uh, their life story into a new narrative that enables them to realize that indeed they are not what they thought they were, so that they can activate the power to let go of the ego without analyzing it. But it may require a little bit of analysis and interpretation before you get to the realization that, okay, now I can stop uh, taking the slow, gradual, agonizing approach and uh, let go of the whole thing at once. How to remain in the true self during times of illness so that healing can happen? Well, if you mean remain in the true self, it means you're already in the true self. If you're there, there's no problem. And there probably won't be any illness. And if there is illness of the body, it's a karma that you're quite content with and it won't cause any suffering. But if you're not yet in the real self, then illness will make it more difficult to meditate so what you need to do is know that yourself your real self is not the body and the body's illness or or health or any condition is irrelevant what you want to do is realize you're not the body and that the karma of illness is a blessing because it's creating more of an urgency to awaken and then use the illness to bootstrap yourself into that level of consciousness that's completely disidentified from the body. By practicing non-judgment over behavior, can we engage in the world of sense pleasures while identifying ourselves as the pure unstained self, i.e. approaching sensuality as sacred and tantric. Well, okay, this is always the question that the ego asks because it wants to have its cake and eat it too. It wants to remain at, identified with the body and enjoy the, uh, the pleasures of, uh, of bodily contact and the possession of the body parts of another that it finds desirable and still believe it's the transcendent, bodiless, stainless self. Well, the stain itself is the identification with the body. And when you're in the real self that is inherently blissful and bodiless, there is no desire for this sensual activity. The sensual activity is desired by an ego that is identified with the body and has a feeling of lack and wants to fill that lack with objects of desire and to be found to be a desirable object to another so that it can feel good about itself and feel like it has the power of controlling the other person's desire and being irresistible. Well, that fantasy is the stain that causes the ego uh, to then suffer when the other decides there's somebody else more desirable than you and leaves you behind or 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 finds that it no longer wants to engage in those kinds of activities and you still want more and more of it and you realize it's an addiction and it's not actually uh, some sacred empowering activity but it's an activity that caused you to attach more to the body and mortality and fear and inadequacy and lack and all of that. So uh, you won't get out of the trap of the ego by uh, just putting some curry on top of your sexual activity and calling it tantra. Uh, So I think if you want to be truthful with yourself, uh, you'd you'd better uh, transcend the the body identification. How to deal with pain caused by the fact that I haven't even one person with an open mind and I'm getting fed up with trying to open them should I leave these people? Well, I think you should open your own mind uh, to the fact that your pain is caused by, by your own ego maybe not being open enough to the real self. And when you are one with the real self that is non-dual, you will attract people with open minds who then actually want to share with you at a higher vibrational frequency. So consider that this pain is caused by the fact that you're creating a world in which people are mirroring your own lack of openness. And uh, when uh, you yourself are open, not just your mind but your heart, to the truth of your real being, the situation will change by itself. And maybe the people who weren't opening up to you before will in fact open up and be more loving and more harmonious when you have shifted your consciousness, instead of demanding that they do it first. Okay. I'm sure nobody's going to like the answers that I'm giving, but... I gotta tell the truth, right? What about reading tarot? Well, okay, it's as good as uh, chicken entrails, you know, or throwing the I Ching, or doing any of those other divination means, but all that it will deal with is the karma of the ego, in the same way that astrology will deal with that karma. But once you know you're not the ego and you're not born, and uh, you're beyond all of the uh, relativity that the tarot cards are talking about, in terms of the uh, transformations of consciousness, within the dualistic frame of reference. Once you're beyond that, the tarot will become irrelevant. And you can manifest any tarot reading you want, you know, because the tarot is just another mirror, just like the world is, and, uh, and you, will, you will manifest a different world and therefore a different reading. But why bother going through, you know, a game like this when what you really want to do is transform the whole world this, all this is is a giant tarot deck, and everybody in it is one of the cards that you're playing with. But most people aren't playing with a full deck. I know, I'm making a lot of enemies.
0: <laughs>
1: but Okay, that's my tarot reading for the night. Uh, is not our highest ideal pure or altruistic love and making everyone perfectly happy That ideal is God, and it is God having that ideal as each one of us. Well, no, I wouldn't say that's our highest ideal. That's a kind of a mediocre middle-level ideal. Uh, But uh, the real ideal is recognizing that there is nobody to make happy, and there is no God. There is just the one self that's already in bliss, and you don't have to do anything. If you think you're someone in a world having to do something to make people happy, then you're already serving within the dualistic frame of reference. And you won't end up making anybody happy. And, uh, and then you'll wonder, why don't people get it? Their minds aren't open to me. I'm getting fed up with these people. I can't make them happy. And you'll end up asking me more questions <laughs> about why doesn't this ideal work, as they say it in the Bible. Uh, well, no, it's not going to work. You've got to realize the non-duality and that there's no one to make happy except you have to be happy by realizing you don't exist. Kenshin, you talk about God consciousness. No, not really, because it... (laughs) How can you speak about uh, an unutterable, inconceivable reality that's beyond uh, language and beyond the dualistic frame of reference of the ego mind? And the truth is there is no God, there is only consciousness itself and uh, once you know that you are pure consciousness with no limits and no concepts you don't want an idea of a god and an idea of a world and an idea of karma all of those ideas are limited fantasies illusions get rid of all beliefs and then you'll be in the consciousness that other people might call god consciousness but you won't need to give it a name or uh, to have to describe it, but you will be in such an indescribably delicious state of bliss that other people will want to be in that state. And they'll ask you, how could I get to that state and can you describe it? And you'll say, no, but hey, you are that. And uh, and, and that's what the, the original teachings of Dakshinamurti at the beginning of Kali Yuga were. He taught totally in silence, didn't say a word. But he transmitted this blissful energy so that if you hung out with the guy, you were in a trance and, and in samadhi and in bliss. And if you were lucky, you didn't come out of it. And then you couldn't describe it to anybody, but but other people would sit with you and have the same experience. And that's what the way yoga was transmitted. Not with teachings and, you know, Upanishads and books and all of that. It was just through... A, Being blissful because you are it. How can I not become angry? (laughs) Is it just a learned reaction to certain things? Yes. Uh, The whole ego is just a learned uh, reaction and uh, every ego is angry uh, because it became an ego because it didn't receive enough love. And so a, uh, a set of defense mechanisms got installed uh, in order to defend itself against the anger of the parents and uh, against the unfairness of the world and uh, the, um, the disinterest that people had in, in coming to know who you really are and, uh, and then your own anger at yourself that you compromised and betrayed yourself to be accepted and you bought into the system and you did all this. And so anger became your main enjoyment because at least if you were angry at somebody else you could feel self-righteous and powerful. So because you couldn't love, anger became the replacement of love uh, to, uh, to give you a sense of, uh, of existence. Because at least the, you got some adrenaline flowing, and you know you get all kinds of uh, of a sense of uh, that uh, the other is at fault, uh, but it's always uh, an illusion, and the anger always depletes you and and brings you to a, a state of uh, of sadness and guilt and realization that you were just projecting your own. Uh, Let's say, unlovable qualities onto the other. So, the way to be free of anger again is just being free of the ego and uh, free of mental projection, which is the ego's mechanism to uh, avoid its own responsibility for the creation of its suffering. When do you know you have really attained self realization? when there's no one left to know it or to ask that question. And there's only the, the silence of pure presence and uh, there are no doubts and uh, no one interested in, in resolving any questions at all. Next question is the same, when is union with God real? Well, when you are the real self then there is no god to have union with because you are that and the whole idea of yoga itself uh, dissipates because even yoga is a lie right there's no need for union because there was never any disunion and so it's real when there's no one any longer uh, who is in a false state of consciousness okay we're, we're getting near the end uh, how to find balance in serving the world and giving attention to your own process of becoming the real self especially as a woman in a postmodern very male world hmm. some males would disagree and say it's a very feminist world and uh, others would say it's a very transgender world and there is there's a total loss of the uh, of male power or of female power or love or grace or any of it but what I would say is the world that you think you're living in is a mental projection. And so everyone's living in their own world. But your function is not to serve that world. Your function is to serve the self who is beyond all worlds. And then the self will bring about a, a, a manifestation of itself as a world. But you will not be fooled into thinking it's a world. You will recognize it's simply God writ large as beauty in infinite manifestations and forms that are in perfect harmony. And that perfection and beauty uh, is both your perception of reality that's accurate and the creation of it, and the two are the same. Last question. I'm sure you're all glad of that. And it's, uh, is it possible to uh, share your wisdom on what is denominated the double life of the disciple? Well, I'm not sure actually what is meant by the double life. I think everyone's leading a double life. But what I would imagine it means is that the disciple is trying to live in non-duality, but at the the same time it's learning about non-duality, it has to live in duality. Well, that's the situation for everyone. And so, the disciple must realize that you are a disciple of yourself. And, uh, and what disciple means is that you are disciplined. Disciple and discipline are the same. And the discipline is the remembrance that you are the self. The constant remembrance that you are not double, but you are one. And the oneness that you are is infinite, and so there is no duality or doubleness. But for the moment that, that there is still a, a sense of a stream of consciousness that believes in duality, then the discipline of refusing to entertain such thoughts uh, must be fulfilled. And to the extent that you are a true disciple, then this sense of a double life will not exist. And in fact, there will be no sense of, uh, of a life being lived but uh, simply of reality being witnessed from the changeless, unborn state of pure awareness. I hope that's useful. I hope all of these things were useful to everyone. And uh, if not, well, ask me some other questions uh, next time, uh, or not. But uh, I think that the answers to all of these questions are really uh, the questions themselves are the problem, and they are based on false premises that the dualistic mind can't get beyond from within its frame of reference. And once you are in the non-dual consciousness, then there are no questions, and no doubts, and no problems, and no world that will resist you. You you will find that everything is perfect, everything that happens is a blessing, and uh, you will be in a state of non-resistance and and enjoy every moment as a manifestation of that infinite intelligence that you are. Okay, that's uh, the death of another live stream. (laughs) Thank you all. Namaste.